I read a story about a young man who was determined to win the affection of a lady who refused to even talk to him anymore. He decided the way to her heart was through the mail. So he began writing her love letters. He wrote a love letter every day to this lady. Six, seven times a week she got a love letter from him. But when she didn't respond, he increased his output to three notes every 24 hours. Three notes every 24 hours. This guy was devoted to winning the affection of this young lady. In all, he wrote her more than 700 letters. It was at that time that he found out that she wound up marrying the postman. (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about the meaning of Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 5 through, we already read verses 5 through 8, but we're going to be discussing the meaning behind those verses. And it is indeed a challenging passage of Scripture because it is telling us to have a mind like that of Jesus Christ, to be humble like Jesus Christ. And today we get more specific than what we were last week. Last week we talked about, uh, about a call away from selfishness, but we're getting more specific about this call to be like Jesus this week and how we can be more like him. But before that, I would like to start this message off with a, with a simple presentation of the gospel. It's kind of how I want to do this for the next couple of weeks. And uh, uh, we often ask why evil exists inside of our world. And it's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is the root of evil right there, is our own sinful nature. It is because we have all sinned and fall short that we are in need of a Savior. And even though we might argue that I'm not so bad, we catch ourselves doing the very things that we detest. In reality, it's our own actions that condemn us and doom us to eternal separation from God. But God loves mankind and has made a way to be set free from our own wicked nature and to enjoy eternal fellowship with him. And the way is through his son, Jesus Christ. He came to the earth, took on flesh, lived a perfect life, and was resurrected, died on a cross, and was resurrected to justify us through faith. The gospel message teaches us about the humility of Jesus Christ. Now, not too long ago, I had an epiphany, realizing that God could have chosen not to love us. We don't oftentimes consider that, but God could have chosen not to love us, as he does not have fellowship with darkness. And this was a humbling thought. But not only did he choose to love us, He chose to do so in such a way that it even gave us the ability to love at all. We're incapable of loving without God. As the scriptures tell us in 1 John 4, verse 19, it says, We love because he first loved us. Philippians chapter 2 is calling us to demonstrate the same type 
of humility as Jesus Christ. It says he first loved us, and that was even before we were even able to love him. He was sent into the world because of his love. Now, it's going to get a little bit challenging because of what it says we are to do. Jesus, in his great Sermon on the Mount, commanded us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. That's Matthew 5.44. Matthew 5.44 that says that. And Jesus was saying that there are people in the world that might be unlovable to us. There are people in the world who might be mean to us. There are people in the world who might even want to hurt us. We are not called to hate them back. We are called to love them as God first loved us. And tell the truth, I struggle with this. And let's be honest with ourselves. I think that everybody struggles a little bit with this. For instance, I think we can all relate to this. When we think back to World War II, do you think you would have loved and cared for the salvation of Adolf Hitler? In Vietnam, did you actively think about how to reach the Viet Cong? The Oklahoma City bombing, were we all praying for Timothy McVeigh? 9-11, <laughs> were you truly, was I truly, hoping that Osama bin Laden would repent? What about last summer? The riots, the lies, the scandals, all of the nonsense. Were we thinking about the souls of those involved, or were we thinking about our own interests? I'm just tossing some worms into a pie to see if you recognize them before you eat it. Um, and these are things that I wrestle with, too. So nobody's excluded from this. We say that we care about people, but our words oftentimes are empty and our actions do not follow our sentiments. Let's take Jesus again. To illustrate what he did, you need to look no further than the people he appointed to be his disciples and apostles. There is a man, for instance, by the name of Simon the Zealot, and another disciple by the name of Levi, the tax collector. We also call him Matthew. He's the author of the Gospel of Matthew. And to give you an idea as to why this is impressive, that these two were selected specifically as disciples, let's review real quick. We've all heard that in the world of ancient Israel, the tax collectors were hated because they were considered to be traitors to the Israeli people, uh, that they were taking from their own and giving it to the Roman Empire, to a foreign entity. And so the Israelites weren't too fond of them, and Levi was among their reigns. Needless to say, they probably looked a little bit oddly at Levi when he walked into their camp with Jesus. Now, what's a zealot? A zealot essentially was an Israeli patriot. They are part of a first century political movement to kick the Romans out of the Holy Land. And however much the other apostles may have been uncomfortable with Levi and they hated the tax collectors, the zealots, that was to a whole new level. They, they couldn't even 
compared to the way the average person felt because they were so devoted to this cause of ridding their land of the Romans. 1 John 4, verse 20 says, Whoever does not love their brother whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Now, in the past couple years, I have experienced a good amount of ugliness. I have seen people who lack the self-control to even look at someone without feeling the compulsion to run up to them and start chewing them out. What I've learned is that with most people you meet, though, with most people that you might have these feelings that you don't really like them a whole lot, the more you talk to them, the more you get to know them, the more likely it is you are to like them. I have personally confessed to pastors in the past of not liking particular people. And uh, I asked for prayer for me and I asked for prayer for them. And the funny thing is, God is absolutely hilarious in this regard, that when you confess who it is that you might not like, he then finds ways to put you in situations where that person is up in your face and you're having to converse with them regularly. And he did this with me until I love these people. <laughs> God is good all the time. And I'm grateful that he is. That's what the resurrection of Jesus is all about. That is why faith in him is so important. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.25, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. His wisdom was this, die for the ones who hated you, save the ones that killed you, rise to show them that your life was worth it. Turn the other cheek. Foolish. Love those who hate you. Foolish. Give to those who ask. Foolish. Bless those who lie about you. Foolish. Lose your life that you might live it. Foolish. On and on and on, Jesus' teachings were foolishness to the world. His wisdom did not conform to it. The resurrection, though, proved that living that sort of life and having that sort of attitude, and being obedient unto death, is worth it. The humility of Christ is rooted in this one simple truth. God is right. God is right. So you and I, we need only to trust him. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. The scripture says that the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And Lord, when I think about that, what it's really saying is man's wisdom is foolish. The way that we think about things, as sincerely as we might believe them, is foolishness. Your ways are right. Your ways are good. When we walk in your ways, 
we walk in true wisdom. Although it might defy the ways of the world, even though it might make people uncomfortable around us, even though well-intentioned people might try to lead us off of your path. We don't have goodness inside of ourselves. All of our goodness is only imparted from you, loaned to us through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit poured out from heaven for those who would have faith. Father God, we thank you that even though there is nothing desirable about us, you chose to die for our sins, the sins of the world, that a remnant might come to have faith with you, might come to have a relationship with you, and might be able to enjoy eternity with you in your kingdom of glory. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We pray, Lord, that we can live out this difficult task. We thank you, Lord, for lifting our burdens. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.